Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. And this week, we have a, a letter from a listener, and this is um, someone who My we've favorite. responded to before. Yeah, it's great. And I, I don't know if this is your favorite listener, but it's it's great to have uh, uh, emails from people asking questions. This one's from Simon. Oh, who, he's one um, of my favorites, for sure. He knows it. Okay, he's right, well, he writes good. us a lot and with lots of good questions. So, so Simon sent us a question that he thought might be a good one for the podcast, and I think we agree. And that is, uh, he points out, he says, one aspect of Agile that I feel deserves closer attention is the role of product owner. In the case of sellable software, the concept of product is clear, but for internal business applications, this just leads to a baffled look on nearly all business user faces. So I think that, I, think that I can understand that. It's the idea of uh, a product owner is new in IT for sure. But he goes on, he says, I feel the PO in an internal systems role is in reality, much more of a process owner. So this is a distinction he's making between a product owner and a process owner. So they're a process owner working on the process, both people and machine, that deliver a business service of some kind. And as such, I think there's some parallels with the sold software PO role, but there are also some differences. And he has some here that I think that really stood out to me. He says, no one wants to use an internal or customer facing IT system per se. They're using them to achieve some business outcomes. So with that, uh, what, what are your thoughts, Squirrel? Product owner, process owner? Well, I can certainly relate to the baffled look because as usual, I have a client story. So let me tell a story and then let's see how we can apply Simon's model of product versus process owner to it. Is that all right with you, Jeffrey? Yeah, absolutely. All right, Love good. stories. They're okay. my favorite. <laughs> I, I figured you might like them. I hope listeners do too. So this client had a uh, uh, old, old system that they wanted to replace and had wanted to replace for a while, but they were having real trouble actually replacing it. And I went to investigate. I, I found that they uh, match pretty closely to this sort of IT internal uh, situation that, that Simon describes. In particular, they uh, do have a website and people can order stuff and so on, but that's a fairly small piece of the software that they're replacing. And what the software mainly does is coordinate a whole bunch of machines. And you have to put the right inputs into the machines to fill the right orders and then make sure you deliver them to the right place. And you have to utilize the machines well. So if you set up a machine for A, then you want to leave it set up to do B if B is like A, but not if it's going to be C on Thursday. And if the moon is full, you do something completely different. So one of those beautiful <laughs> systems that I imagine a lot of our listeners have worked with or know about or have suffered. And the old system did things badly. The new system was going to do things much better. Why did they have so much trouble getting this done? Well, it turned out that they had an awful lot of process owners. There was a person who owned the process for this type of machine and that type of machine, and customer service who then created the orders but then had to edit the orders to make sure that they matched the uh, requirements of the machines and all kinds of other things. And there were plenty of people who owned those processes, and the problem was that no one was making a decision about which one we should do first. So the main action I took that had a big effect on the business was to appoint two people. Now, I called them product owners. I think you could have called them process owners. I don't care. But what they were was the, um, the, the veto mechanism. So what they did is they went through all the processes, which they knew really well. They were two different people from two different parts of the business who knew 
between them, pretty much how everything worked. And they went through and found 116 things that the new system didn't do that they actually needed from the system. And there, the thousands of other things that had come from all these different process owners, uh, they said they vetoed them. They were just the department of no. They just kept saying no to all this stuff. <laughs> and I trained them how to say no really well and no really effectively and no politely but helpfully. And um, uh, after about two, three months of saying no, we got the 116 things done. We went live last week. It was very successful. So that's my story of taking a situation with many people that I think you could easily call process owners and replacing them with uh, uh, some dictators. Uh, now, I don't know if you want to call them product owners or process owners, but, but that worked pretty well. What, what do you think about that Simon's model applied to that story? I, I like the story. And the thing that struck me with that story and in Simon's model is to start with, I, I don't actually see them, the, the systems as that different or the roles as that different. Um, and, and particularly because it came down to the last thing that Simon said, which is like, no one wants to use an internal customer facing system per se. They're using them to achieve some business outcomes. I tell this to product owners all the time. Like no one wants to use your software. <laughs> they, they have something else they're trying to get done and your software is how they're hoping to do it. But if you could get it done without your software, they'd be happier. And and that's sort of getting people in the sense of like, you're trying to, to do as much to get people to business outcomes. And I think it's that sense of like trying to have a person who is taking uh, the view of how do we get the business outcomes we want. I mean, the people that you appointed in this in this role squirrel, I assume that that was the basis of their vetoes, right? They're like, there's business outcomes we're trying to achieve. One, one of which was get rid of this old old thing. <laughs> that's right. So that's that's what's getting in the way. And and I think that's that view is what's behind bringing more product mentality into the IT world. Um, I, I I know we. Let me previously... stop you for a second, Jeffrey. There's there's something yeah. I I don't want to let go there because you're describing business outcomes. And there are some of our listeners who work in a really retail model. I bet there are some listeners out there who are making games or who are making, um, uh, I know there's at least one listener who works at Facebook. And, and I, I think <laughs> that they make stuff that it, it does not necessarily lead to a business outcome. It does for their advertisers. Or um, in the case of a game, it might lead to a good result for the game publisher. But the, the user of the software in either case is trying to see pictures of cats or um, <laughs> uh, in, enjoy shooting aliens. And so, I, but I would claim the same is true, i.e., that user isn't sitting down and saying, I can't wait to use some software. The user is saying, man, I wish there were more pictures of cats. Where could I find pictures of cats? <laughs> and it happens yes. to be that their phone is a really nice place to, to, to do that. But uh, what they're not sitting down to do is saying, per se, I want to use software. They're saying, where are the cats? That's right. Or, or where's my chess match or whatever exactly. the thing is that are trying to, 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 to get to. Where's my, where's my uh, uh, arena competition, whatever the game is. I completely agree. Yeah, you're right. We might more generically say like the delivery of value, right? Rather than, it's, you said the value is not always business outcomes. It's exactly. other things. But there's a delivery of value. And, and the, the product owners are the people who take the role of overall, in my mind, end-to-end -end ensuring there is that delivery of value. And I think that's what you see. We, we previously interviewed Mick Kirsten, the author of um, Project to Product, uh, on our podcast. Links in the show notes, as usual. Yeah. So when he's, when he's describing that trend, 
I think it's that the motivation. It actually, the, the, for my personal experience, is when I first read Simon's message, it reminded me of the first business book I ever read in my whole life. And um, I think I've made a reference on the show before, but I uh, was in high school and I was reading my father's bookshelf and I came across a book called Reengineering the Corporation. And it must have been a long summer and <laughs> I was bored, but I decided this would be a great uh, thing to read. And I read it. And you can tell it, how Jeffrey became Jeffrey because yeah. he, he read that kind of book as a kid for fun. Keep going. Yeah. So I, so I read this book and, and it talked about how the value of reengineering the corporation, which is really about understanding the end end process, all the mini processes involved and having someone who takes that bigger view, that overall view end to end. And it was talking about real world examples, you know, maybe like going to the DMV or something and all the, the different people you might go through in trying to, you know, renew your license or something. And it was D- DMV is Department of Motor Vehicles for people yes. who haven't suffered through that particular American institution. <laughs> we, we have similar things in Britain. That's right. And and you can tell from the way that Squirrel described it, it's not known as a, you know, a, a smooth uh, client focused operation in most cases. Um, so but this was that with this book, uh, you know, which was a, a manifesto for business revolution was said, look, you can make dramatic increases in value and client satisfaction and in, in, in by by rethinking what you're doing. And, it, and that sort of you have that um, senior, you know, the, the overall process owner and, and to let you restructure the way you're doing things, rethink the whole process and and therefore re-engineering the corporation around your business processes. And and it really matched in my mind the kind of when Simon's talking about having a process owner internally, I'm like, yeah, as long as it's the person owning the process end to end, then yes. The problem is that very often these process owners are owning a small piece, which I think is what you were describing, Squirrel. And, and then instead of getting clarity, you get local optimizations that work against the, the, the overall delivery of value. That's precisely what had been happening for a long time to my client. And they, they were also competing for resources. So not only were they locally optimizing, but they were saying, no, 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 do my piece. Fix machine A, make the, make the inputs easier to, to, to set up for machine A. And somebody else would say, no, 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 machine C is much more important. And there was no one to, to make that decision overall for the whole business about what would help them deliver more value. In many cases, it's turn off machines A and C and buy a better one. That, <laughs> that, that would be the sort of decision that you would want your, whatever you want to call them, your PO, to decide. And I would, I would claim that works also in the retail world. And you see exactly the same kind of mistake happen, that there's somebody who's in charge of the front-end team and they will just create uh, amazing designs for what gets shown to users, or, or they'll be in charge of, uh, I don't know, the, um, uh, the, the payment process for your, your online game or something like that. They'll be in charge of a piece of the overall value. And that's where you get into a lot of trouble with local optimizations and competition for resources. And, and that'll happen with a retail environment, and I've seen it over and over again, just as much as wholesale business-to-business kind of situations like Simon's thinking of. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And like, like you said originally, I don't really care about the names, but the key thing is that end-to-end view and having the mindset of someone who's going to go in and... and not just accept the status quo, but be looking to say, how can we make this better? And, and not only mindset, of... but authority, because what yes. was crucial in my client's case was giving these people the authority backed by the CEO who sometimes had to step in and say, forget it. We're not, you know, turn off machine C. We, we don't need it anymore. 
that was much more effective uh, than the, the endless competition and debate among the many separate process owners. Yes. And I think that's a really good point because no matter what title you give people, eventually you're going to get to the point where something's going to have to be solved through escalation if you're really making significant changes the way things are done internally. Your goal here is to get focus and alignment. And ultimately that's going to, in most organizations, going to require uh, um, when there's some friction, some uh, process to escalate to say, yes, in fact, this is how we make the decision and this is the decision. So let's move ahead. Indeed. So I think the conclusion is, Simon, we, we uh, as sometimes happens, we, we disagree with you. We, we don't think there's a uh, kind of fundamental distinction between product owner and process owner. And if listeners would like to apply this and they see the kind of situation that Simon's describing, because he's describing the symptom very well, our recommendation is find someone. It doesn't have to be a senior person. The two people I described who did this role, relatively junior, were not super experienced, were not, had not got um, certifications or degrees or anything else in doing this. What they had was a degree in the school of hard knocks, banging their heads against these machines in the factory and, and the software that they had been working with. So that's the kind of uh, person that you need, and then you need to imbue them with the right authority. So uh, if, if you're interested in addressing this problem, whether you're Simon or any of our other listeners, uh, that's, that's what we think uh, you might want to try. Right, Jeffrey? Did I miss anything? No, I think that's a great summary. And I'd look forward to hearing from, from listeners if, this is, uh, if they can apply this organization or if they have something they think, oh, yeah, that sounds good, but it wouldn't work here, and here's why. We'd love to hear that kind of disagreement. Exactly. So uh, the way you can get in touch with us, if you continue to disagree, do just what Simon uh, did. Simon may want to get back in touch with us and say, you're, you're all wet. We'd love to hear that. Or other listeners might disagree or wonder how to apply this in their situation, anything like that. You can do all of that at agileconversations.com, where you'll find our Twitter and email. I mean, I think my home address is there, you know, all kinds of stuff. You can find us in lots of different ways. Uh, there's free videos, uh, opportunities to work with Jeffrey and his uh, monthly meetups, um, lots of different things. So get in touch with us there. And of course, the other way to keep in touch with us is to come back next Wednesday when we'll have another episode of Troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Carl.